lecture ten of lectures on painting by edward armitage this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture ten on the choice of a subject before beginning to treat of the composition of a picture i should like to make some remarks on the choice of a subject of course no rule can be laid down on this matter what strikes one artist as being a very good subject will appear totally uninteresting to another it is perhaps fortunate that this should be so the taste of the general public is at least as varied as that of the profession and thus every one can be suited i remember an old gentleman who has now been dead many years but who in his day was a great patron of artists telling me that he preferred pictures with little or no subject in them he liked what he called nice satiny bits of painting and the less story there was in them to distract his attention from the satiny painting the better i fancy that this want of appreciation of composition is more common than is generally supposed for one person who notices the skill shown in the general arrangement of a picture fifty will be found to admire its colour and execution now i do not wish in any way to depreciate the charm of harmonious colour and brilliant execution of all qualities in painting they are perhaps the most captivating but they are not the alpha and omega of art i purpose therefore to devote several lectures to the study of composition and acting in conformity with the precept about first catching your hair before you proceed to cook it we will this evening review the various kinds of subjects generally chosen by artists in my lecture on the international exhibition i mentioned with disapproval a certain class of subjects much affected by the modern french school the artist seemed to have ransacked history for every incident that was most loathsome and horrible i am not at all squeamish and should not object to blood and torture occasionally but it is the morbid treatment of these ghastly subjects and their frequency which are offensive perhaps it is hardly necessary to caution english students against painting death and putrefaction they generally have a laudable desire to sell their pictures and this desire would naturally tend to keep their subjects sweet some letters on the dismal tendency of modern british art appeared in the times last autumn and certainly i am not prepared to say that the writers were wholly in the wrong but if they had had an opportunity of comparing our school with the french i think the letters would not have been written why our deathbed scenes funerals etc are positively cheerful compared with the sensational pictures of a french exhibition no whatever the faults of english pictures may be i don't think the subjects can be called dismal on the contrary i should say speaking generally that they are too frivolous pictures are constantly being painted which have little or no subject the costumes of the period are pretty the mild incident depicted happened or might have happened and these are quite sufficient reasons to many young artists for painting the picture i am far from saying that such a picture must be a bad one it may be and often is charming in colour arrangement and execution indeed the better the painting the more one regrets that so much good work should be spent on so trivial a subject before proceeding to what i have to say about the choice of a subject i would impress upon you that i only profess to give you my own opinions 
if any student or young artist has a great fancy for a certain subject the probability is that he will treat it better than he would one less congenial to him and i should be very sorry to dissuade him from it indeed i should be much pleased to find that he had a subject at all if there is a rock ahead for the english school it is a tendency to shirk the difficulties of composition pictures representing single figures mere models dressed up as men-at-arms milkmaids or highland lassies are much commoner now than they used to be of course in the minor exhibitions of london one expects to find plenty of work of this class but the preponderance of these subjectless figure pictures is becoming very marked even at the academy and as lecturer on painting i should be neglecting my duty if i failed to notice it it may be that these pictures pay but art is not a trade and even from a commercial point of view i would suggest that there is such a thing as overstocking the market the whole domain of history both sacred and profane is open to the artist besides which there are innumerable subjects which are not strictly historical but are suggested by history finally to those who prefer illustrating the poets there are homer dante shakespeare and a whole host of more modern writers surely in such a vast array it cannot be difficult to dig out good subjects suitable to every mind many subjects are too hastily rejected because they have already been painted when probably a new reading is very possible or by slightly altering the moment chosen the subject assumes another aspect in a former lecture i mentioned as a familiar instance the parable of the good samaritan here is a trite and hackneyed subject enough every one has painted it and yet it would be very possible by altering the moment depicted to give a new version of it take the moment when the good samaritan entrusts the wounded traveller to the care of the innkeeper and leaves him money adding that whatever more he may spend will be repaid him and you have a capital subject which has never to my knowledge been painted again imagine the return of the samaritan after a few days absence and the gratitude of the injured man now nearly restored to health and you have another first-rate subject as an extreme example take the holy family how often has this subject been painted raphael alone painted it over thirty times and i should think that there are at least a thousand original holy families in existence and yet the subject seems to me as fresh as ever the reason of this is because it embodies the purest form of maternal love in the same way that the good samaritan illustrates human kindness maternal love and humanity are many-sided and hence the subjects which illustrate them will be many-sided too some artists shrink from taking known subjects from a laudable modesty they could not think of entering into rivalry with raphael or andre del sarto i deem this modesty unnecessary provided they bestow on their work original thought and invention if they attempt to rival the manner of the great masters then they may be taxed with presumption but no artist need be deterred from painting such subjects as the last supper or the walk to emmaus because many great masters have treated the same themes i have probably said enough in defence of taking subjects which have already been painted and will now attempt some classification of subjects suitable for the higher class of figure pictures 
the term religious in connection with art ought i think to be confined to those subjects in which divine personages are introduced or to those which embody some miracle thus the creation of adam the holy family the raising of lazarus or the conversion of st paul would all come under the head of religious subjects but i think the term misapplied when speaking of such subjects as hagar in the desert the finding of moses samson and delilah etc which have no religious element in them although they are of course strictly scriptural it is almost needless for me to remark that the old and new testament offer an inexhaustible field for pictorial illustration the bible is more read and better known than any other book in the world and this alone would preeminently distinguish it as a source whence artists should derive subjects for their pictures but besides this the costumes from noah down to st paul are simple and dignified suggesting the highest style of art there are reasons which militate against young artists or old ones either attempting this highest class of religious subjects the principle of which is the fear of failure failure in this class being a much greater humiliation than in a lower walk of art but there is also another good reason and that is the want of a market for their work our churches do not as a rule purchase biblical pictures and our lay patrons of art naturally enough object to importing a crucifixion or a noli me tangere into galleries and rooms full of mundane subject pictures there seems however no reason why the second class of scriptural subjects those i mean which are simply historical or anecdotic should not be more often painted than they are of allegory and allegorical subjects i need hardly say anything for mere decorative purposes they may sometimes be eligible but even then i think them quite out of date and should be sorry to see a revival of the painted riddles which were so much the fashion in the time of giotto and his followers such semi-allegorical subjects as reynolds garrick between tragedy and comedy are permissible enough because they are easily comprehended but the allegories i object to are those which are totally incomprehensible without a page or two of letterpress to explain their meaning mythology offers a much better field than allegory for decorative purposes juno in her peacock-drawn car ascending to olympus orpheus and eurydice prometheus victus etc are all splendid subjects there is a bourgeois objection to them on the ground that nobody now cares for juno or any of the heathen gods and demigods but i should like to ask these objectors if they think that any one cares now for the vicar of wakefield and his family or for tom jones and his sophia and yet pictures illustrative of these old-fashioned novels are painted every day and often meet with great success it is quite a mistake to suppose that in order to admire or appreciate pictures we must take a lively interest in the biography of the dramatis personae jove mars venus and hercules are of interest to us now just as they probably were to the athenians in the time of phidias and praxiteles namely as representatives of power courage beauty and strength and so long as these qualities are valued by the human race so long will their personifications continue to be interesting historical subjects may be divided into two classes 
one those where the interest is solely derived from the rank or historical importance of the personages depicted two those which from their nature are dramatically interesting independently of the names of the personages what are commonly called official pictures belong to the first class such as coronations royal marriages and ceremonials of all descriptions such pictures as turberg's council of trent and others of the same kind belong to this category because all the interest of the work lies in the faithful portraiture of the figures deprive the figures of their historical importance and all interest in the subject as a subject vanishes of course the picture may have technical excellences which may make it interesting and valuable but this has nothing to do with the point at issue any trivial incident from the domestic lives of queen elizabeth charles i cromwell frederick the great etc specimens of which are to be found in every exhibition belong essentially to this class of subjects i would hardly class our old friend alfred minding the cakes with these subjects simply because he did not mind them and the contrast between the disguised monarch's thoughtful and anxious look and the humble task to which he had been set is sufficiently interesting per se had he done his task cleverly and toasted the muffins to a turn this time-honoured but apocryphal subject would have been a good specimen of the class i am speaking of the following are a few more subjects which will illustrate my meaning milton dictating a paradise lost to his daughters francis i picking up titian's brush sir isaac newton watching an apple fall hampton refusing to pay ship money in all these and similar subjects you will observe that no human passions are concerned the only reason for painting them at all is either because such famous men as titian francis i and milton are engaged in them or because they led to very important scientific and political consequences as in the falling apple and the ship money instances i would give as instances of the second class of historical subjects the death of seneca charlemagne crossing the alps caesar landing in britain queen boadicea haranguing the iceni these are all well known and indeed rather hackneyed subjects but they will serve as examples of what i mean there is a certain dramatic quality about them which fits them for pictorial treatment independently of the particular history attached to each and these are in my opinion the best kind of historical subjects events which do not concern the life of any particular person are also very pictorial provided always there is plenty of the dramatic element in them a man escaping to a city of refuge a departure of emigrants a rescue from fire launching the lifeboat return from victory are all eminently suitable for painting and yet there are no kings and queens nor even distinguished statesmen poets or philosophers to be introduced there are human interests of various kinds to be excited and this is quite enough war episodes are always interesting we do not care to know the exact spot or date of the engagement we have no curiosity about the names of the combatants nor even much about their nationality the scene itself is sufficiently exciting without any accompanying explanation it is true that there are plenty of highly uninteresting battle pictures but the fault lies with the treatment and not with the subject 
in selecting a subject no matter whether from mythology scripture history fiction or everyday life care should be taken to choose one which has unity of action there ought to be a story in your subject but not more than one story in your secondary groups you may have separate action and by-play but they ought somehow to be connected with the main story of the picture and instead of distracting the attention from the subject they ought rather to assist in concentrating it where there is more than one centre of interest in a picture the effect dramatically speaking is weakened the old masters often disregarded the tolerably self-evident rule the famous transfiguration picture of raphael is a well-known instance in point the interest is divided between the transfiguration proper and the demoniac boy although some of the figures are pointing upward yet the faces are all turned toward the demoniac and he is certainly the principal focus of interest this blemish in raphael's picture is all the more unaccountable as no mention is anywhere made of a demoniac having been present at the time and the old masters especially those of the german schools abound in incongruities of this kind i remember seeing somewhere a picture of the martyrdom of st lorenzo the saint is about to be roasted alive but the largest and most prominent figure in the picture is one of the executioners who is making a horrible face having got some of the smoke in his eye the introduction of these irrelevant and grotesque episodes cannot be justified however well they may be painted and if it be granted that it is undesirable to select a subject in which there is more than one centre of interest how much more objectionable is it to invent disturbing incidents which are not recorded in the text of the subject as an extreme instance of a bad selection of subjects i have always thought that nothing could beat shakespeare's seven ages of man the lines suggest seven distinct subjects having no connection whatever with each other each is very good of its kind to attempt to amalgamate them all into one picture is quite absurd the result is extremely unpleasant suggesting a company of strolling players each rehearsing his part or perhaps the courtyard of a medieval lunatic asylum in justice to mulready i ought to mention that he did not select the seven ages of man as a subject for his picture he had the impossible task imposed upon him by a liberal but injudicious patron for decorative work for a frieze for instance such subjects as the seven ages of man are well suited because each age can be treated separately forming as it were a picture of itself the only bond of union between the seven being that the figures should be of the same proportion and should be similar in style and execution another good rule to observe in selecting a subject is to choose one which has illustrative action in it what i mean by this is that the action of the figures should be sufficient to explain the subject you cannot put words issuing from their mouths as is done in caricature you must therefore explain your story by action and expression we will take as examples two not dissimilar subjects one shall be a meeting of conspirators and the other a conference of philosophers of course i don't mean to insinuate that there is any analogy between philosophers and conspirators but that in both cases we have five or six figures seated round a table 
in the first we should represent our conspirators in close conclave leaning over the table with their heads near together one or two perhaps grasping their daggers another looking round anxiously in short it would be very evident from the expression and attitude of the figures that they were about some villainous work if we now turn to the other subject the conference of philosophers how are we to express the purport of their conversation what facial muscles are called into play when men are talking metaphysics or expounding their theories of evolution it is clear that however exquisite the execution of the picture may be the subject of it will be unintelligible without explanation and even with the necessary elucidation it will be inferior to the conspirators in dramatic interest the subject i gave you in the life school some time ago i mean peter's denial of christ is an eminently good one because if properly treated it is impossible to mistake the meaning of the figures the menacing interrogatory of the woman peter's alarm for his personal safety and the jeers of the soldiers who are sitting round the fire are all well adapted for pictorial expression any one who had never read the new testament an unconverted chinaman for instance would say at once this young woman is taxing a middle-aged man with something he denies but there is such downright assertion in her action and such fear mixed up with his denial that the accusation whatever it is must be true no subject can be called a really good one which requires a long explanation to make it intelligible thus subjects in which the figures are assuming characters which do not properly belong to them are unfit for painting for example in the conspirators just mentioned it might very well have happened that to conceal their sinister designs they assumed the mask of joviality but you should not select this particular phase of the story on the stage this kind of make-believe is managed by an aside the actor takes the audience into his confidence when he says here comes the king let us dissemble and accordingly for the next ten minutes or so you are to understand that he is not the obsequious sycophant he pretends to be and lest by chance you should forget that he is dissembling he will come forward and frown clench his fist or point contemptuously over his shoulder at his fellow-actor who strangely enough never seems to see these ominous gestures all this is understood and accepted on the stage but it does not do in a picture i would therefore advise you as much as possible to choose subjects which can be understood at a glance let your personages appear in their natural characters and not assuming parts which do not belong to them acts of mercy such as clothing the naked feeding the hungry visiting the sick etc are all good subjects because the meaning is explained directly by the action of the figures speaking for myself i have but little sympathy with subjects taken from works of fiction the artist who selects them for pictorial treatment seems to me to abnegate whatever creative power he may possess and to become an illustrator or translator of other men's thoughts homer dante and milton are of course exceptional poets their creations are heroic and the personifications of their heroes would be either nude or sternly classical besides they never descend to minute particulars and the artist is left very much to his own invention 
the more detail an author gives and the more picturesque the detail the less fitted are his works for picture figures scott and dickens are eminently unpaintable that is it is a hopeless task to illustrate them pictures taken from their works are always disappointing the ivanhoes the mrs gumps and the pecksniffs of our imagination are always superior to their effigies on canvas and this is more or less the case with the personages of shakespeare cervantes and moliere costume has a great deal to do with the choice of a subject and this no doubt is the reason why the works of shakespeare cervantes and moliere are such favourite hunting-grounds for artists if the prince of denmark had been a modern heir apparent attired in a frock-coat tweed trousers and a chimney-pot hat or if malvolio had worn the dress of an ordinary british butler we might not often see them painted for one picture taken from thackeray's modern novels we find dozens illustrating tennyson's idols of the king or his holy grail now although the question of costume must always be an important factor in the selection of a subject it ought not to be the only one a picture should not be painted merely for the sake of the costumes this seemed to me the principal fault in the large austrian pictures of the international exhibition and i may add that it is a fault which is not altogether unknown in england there is one more class of subjects which i have not yet noticed and that is the domestic or genre class the pictures in short of everyday life pictures of this kind are much less dependent on a good choice of subject than those which illustrate some historical incident they are generally prized for the brilliancy and harmony of their colour or for the delicacy of their execution and if these qualities exist in a high degree the subject is a minor consideration still it ought to be a consideration and in choosing subjects of this class you should prefer those which are typical of the personages you have to represent if you attempt rustic pictures not only should your figures look like peasants but the subject should be thoroughly bucolic a dirty ploughman plodding wearily homeward along a muddy lane on a dull november evening seems commonplace and prosaic enough and yet the subject would not be deficient in pictorial interest it would be typical of the man's hard and comfortless life it would be in perfect harmony with his furrowed face his bony limbs and his stooping gait it would not only represent that particular ploughman in that particular lane but it would give a true though mournful impression of farm labourers generally i should much prefer for the subject of a picture a common episode from the life of a labourer to an uncommon one again if i wished to represent the same man at home i should endeavour without exaggeration to give the squalor of his surroundings and should not out of my inner consciousness evolve an ideal peasant surrounded by a comely family and looking as dickens has somewhere said as if he had spent his little all in soap artists understand pretty well nowadays that in painting rustic subjects honesty is the best policy the great success of the french painter millet was due entirely to his uncompromising honesty of purpose and to the unerring judgment with which he selected his subjects there are pretty girls even in france amongst the peasant class although they are certainly rare there are plenty of fete days when every woman makes herself as smart as she can 
but millet knew better than to paint pretty girls in smart dresses instead of this he depicted the true types of french peasantry gaunt hard-featured women dressed in the coarsest garments and shod with wooden sabots the novelty of truth was unwelcome at first to the parisian public they had so long been accustomed to opera comique peasants that they had lost relish for the genuine article but by degrees they began to perceive that these uncouth figures were very like the jeans and the victoires they knew a la campagne moreover they did not fail to observe that the subjects chosen by the artist were of that homely agricultural kind peculiar to the french peasantry they smelt of the village dunghill and this was the great secret of their success i am often told by people who don't know much about art that they have thought of such a capital subject for a picture and it generally turns out to be something odd or incongruous and not at all fitted for painting for several years we have had pictures sent in for exhibition representing children playing at judge and jury police courts auctions etc in these pictures the children are all dressed up to represent policemen barristers plaintiffs and defendants moreover they have so thoroughly learned their parts that their action is no longer childlike some of these pictures are very well painted but the principle is so wrong and false that we now invariably refuse them admission children should in a picture be engaged on something childlike thus it would be perfectly natural for children to play at being wild beasts making use of any bear or wolf-skin which happened to be handy coach and horses hen and chickens are again legitimate games for children and therefore proper for painting but in the arts we don't want elaborately got up burlesque a group of young children on the sea sands at work with their wooden shovels would by some be thought a stupid kind of subject hardly worthy of being painted at all but make the same children overtaken by the tide with a steep cliff behind them and probably you will have a great success especially if you make your little figures expressing their fear or courage in a theatrical and unchildlike manner the first group would be a typical one typical of the seaside and childhood the second would not be absolutely impossible like the bewigged and behelmeted youngsters above mentioned but it would be somewhat exceptional and therefore in my opinion not so suitable for painting as the first group in the same way with landscape the spot you select for pitching your umbrella should not be mean and ugly neither should it be overpoweringly grand and beautiful pictures representing the falls of niagara or the gorges of the rocky mountains are generally failures i have in a former lecture praised the belgian landscape painters and i think that a good deal of their merit lies in the happy choice of subjects they are certainly not classical like the old school of french landscape painters nor do they affect the dreariest commonplace like some of the moderns they neither paint precipices and snowy mountains nor dull stretches of poplar-skirted high-road their pictures are to me most interesting not only on account of their technical excellence but from the good taste shown in the selection of the subjects incidents which are out of harmony with the character of the persons engaged form capital materials for caricature the late john leach showed the nicest discrimination in his selection of subjects 
when he gave us pictures of character nothing could be better than his sporting scenes or his bits from the mining districts when he wanted to raise a laugh at something paradoxical he would give us a lot of mutes making merry after a respectable funeral or a used-up swell eating periwinkles with a pin on the top of a bus in both these cases it was the sharp contrast between the usual habits of the persons and their exceptional occupation at the time which made the fun and very good fun it was too but in an oil picture which takes some months to paint the humour ought to be of a more delicate kind i know of no better example of the kind of humour i mean than wilkie's blind fiddler before closing my lecture i should wish to notice a certain kind of pictures which do not fit in well with any of the classes i have mentioned the pictures i mean are those which are painted expressly to teach some lesson or to inculcate some moral precept the great originator of this kind of art was hogarth before him nothing of the sort had ever been done and since his death no artist has equalled him in this particular line much however as i admire hogarth as a painter i cannot coincide with all the praise that has been showered on him as a great moral teacher he has often been compared to moliere but the great frenchman attacked the vices and follies of his day with a sharp rapier whereas hogarth wielded a heavy bludgeon indeed i think it very doubtful whether our art can be converted into an active agent in the cause of morality the touches of ridicule which a clever writer uses with so much effect are very apt to become ponderous when embedded in oil paint hogarth's reputation may well be allowed to rest on his numerous technical excellences without hoisting him upon a pedestal as a great apostle of morality in like manner the name of cruikshank will be preserved as the clever draughtsman and caricaturist and not as the champion of teetotalism in mitigation however of hogarth's sledgehammer style of belabouring vice we must bear in mind that the age in which he lived was a very gross and brutal one and that his rake's progress his marriage a la mode and similar works which to us appear exaggerated or caricatured were considered by his contemporaries to be very true to nature to return to the proper business this evening which is not to criticise painters and their work but to discuss subjects for painting i cannot say i particularly delight in the class under notice whoever takes up these subjects becomes involuntarily perhaps a kind of missionary agent for the cause he takes up whether it be teetotalism humanitarianism or the redressing of the wrongs of our old friend the poor governess and as with some other agents his zeal often outruns his discretion and he is apt to thrust forward his moral too obtrusively when this kind of a picture is painted in pairs after the fashion of hogarth's industrious and idle apprentice there is a sort of poster or advertisement flavour about the work reminding one a little of what i was and what i am in connection with mrs allen's hair wash or of before and after using anti-fat no one can of course object to such antithetic pictures as summer and winter peace and war youth and age etc but where the practice of showing both sides of the metal becomes objectionable is when the work is evidently intended to be didactic 
i don't know what effect these didactic pictures may have on others but i always feel a kind of impatience at having the contrast between virtue and vice thrust before me in this infant school fashion i do not wish in these lectures to enter upon the domain of high art ethics i have a very decided aversion to the union of painting with abstruse theories of all kinds but a few words on morality and art may not be out of place it must be generally allowed that certain pictures have an immoral tendency we may therefore conclude by analogy that others have a moral tendency but beyond this general truism it is difficult to get the art-loving portion of the public needs no lord chamberlain to ostracize immoral subjects but on the other hand it is rather intolerant of what are called goody pictures let us rather instead of preaching homilies with our brush endeavour to set an example of pictorial morality by adherence to truth by abstaining from claptrap tricks and meretricious execution by ceasing to pilfer ideas and modes of painting from other artists and by general honesty of purpose if we do this we may rest assured that our work will have a healthier influence than it would have if more directly enlisted in the cause of morality End of lecture ten.